Good day, everyone. I hope everyone had a great week. I know I did. Finally, we're seeing some light through this keyhole of a doorway we've got. Uh, but any victory is a victory nonetheless, and uh, we should celebrate it. Uh, we've seen some vaccine mandates, some pretty substantial ones, have now fallen, which is incredible. I, I see cracks in the shell, and I'm, I'm really hoping we can keep the momentum and, and kind of capitalize and try and find normal sooner rather than later. But you saw Canada Post has officially backed down. Uh, their mandate has been effectively pulled. I, I believe they are still pushing for vaccination, but not up to the point of termination, which, honestly, you can advocate for stuff you feel passionate about all you want, as long as you're not threatening people's jobs. I call that a win. I think that that should be the default of where society's at, uh, just so long as you're not actively hurting anyone. Uh, and then you saw the federal government. They uh, they have exempted 70% of the applicable mandate subjects. Uh, about 70% have now been absolved of that responsibility, which is, again, a, a giant win. You've got Doug Ford here on Ontario now getting ready to do an announcement this week, as, as this is going to drop on Monday. Uh, an announcement this week on their final reopening rubric and, and their plans. Uh, I think it's it speaks to just how feckless they are in the sense that we're now just about two years exactly into this and we're now just looking at what lifting it means uh, and make no doubt they will extend the emergency uh declaration past december uh i i think that at that point it is a clear and for me it has been for a long time but it's a clear abuse of power any extension beyond where we're at now uh society's pretty much over this uh hospital by capacity uh and critical levels we are categorically beyond this uh, we should be ready for a potential spike in the fall with any flu season we see overwhelming levels of occupation in the hospitals. But again, we need we need to we need to get back to normal. The crisis is over. We've got effective prevention, treatment, and information on how to how to handle things, and that's that's really where it needed to be from the start. But we're getting there slowly. So hopefully, Doug Ford brings us some good news for once. Uh, I truly think he will. Uh, as, as I've said before, and, and I try to consume multiple different perspectives because I, I genuinely, I, I like, I like to be in a position of some, some form of power. I, I like knowledge and knowledge is power. So I don't want to live in my echo chamber. So I, I consciously try and interact with people with different viewpoints of me so that I'm not just feeding my own bias and I can kind of test that against other people's perspectives and then really root out to the best of my ability where my my positions are in, in an educated fashion. And I, I've talked to a lot of people who are were pretty much first in line for the vaccine. Uh, they took everything probably more seriously than they really needed to, which again, that's, that's a personal choice. If you want to, to take extra precaution, that's all, all fine and dandy. Uh, there's certain things I take extra precaution in, uh, 
But I, I do try and consume the balance. And, and the people I've talked to that would fit into that category, even they are done. So, so the vast majority of society is over it. The fear is no longer having the effect it did. People have become desensitized to the fear. And, it, and that's a good thing. That is categorically good that people are not amped up on fear still. Or at least to the levels that, that they were. So, we can just assume that, that I'm right in saying the vast majority of the population is pretty much over it. We're, we're past it, we need to move forward. So, in knowing that the majority kind of lays somewhere in the rational middle, Doug Ford is, is he's dumb, but he's not stupid. He, he can read the temperature of, of his populace to some degree of accuracy, Unfortunately, uh, much of the population and, and his constituents uh, were largely for a lot of what we went through. But that doesn't mean he can't read the room today after it's, it's kind of shifted a bit. So the mandates and, and the, the heavy-handedness is quickly losing favor. And he, he and his the people around him are, are well aware of this. And keep in mind, we're... The better part of a year out of it yet, but we are now within 12 months of a provincial election. Uh, so he's going to start making moves to, to turn the tide in his favor uh, without coming off as that's the motive. Uh, it's, it's a pretty tactful idea. I, I think there's merit in that. I, I think it's pretty surface level cheap but uh, unfortunately uh, most of the voting public will be plenty happy with cheap tricks and uh, empty words but now that we've kind of got the the check-in out of the way uh, this week I want to talk about morality and ethics in this this crazy time of heavy kind of authoritarianism I want to really dive into where the lines are and, and individually and collectively. As well as, I want to touch on uh, hubris and kind of look at our vanity and, and how we as society kind of look at ourselves in a different light than, than history will and, and in a different light than history does in, in the past. Uh, we look back at much of... The, the problems in previous societies with some real cocky air to it almost in the sense that, oh, we are above that and that could never happen. And, and I really want to kind of look in on that a bit because I think once you understand the impacts of hubris in today's application, it kind of puts things into a different perspective and really unlocks some things. But uh, before we get into all that, let's uh, get into it. So, touching on the concept of morals and ethics, uh, for me, as somebody with firm conviction, both just simply on, on firm morals, but, but based out of my, my Christian foundation and belief structure, I have a pretty solid foundation of what I stand for and where I stand and, and kind of just how hard I'll stand on certain topics. Uh, and I, I own the fact that 
being a Christian, it, it comes with a certain level of dogma. There, there are things that are, for the better part, uh, kind of above question at this point. Um, with much of everything else, I, I try to actively avoid dogma, um, but I can acknowledge it where it does exist. And uh, it, it has really been a, a, a great guiding stone in the last two years on just how far I'm willing to allow things to go in my own life. But two years in, I can't help but look at where we are and, and where people have gotten and almost uncomfortably laugh out of just sheer tragedy almost. Um, and it's been floated a lot. Where Where is everyone's lines? Like, where is too far for, for the individual and collectively as society? What, what line is too far? And personally, I, I have little regard with how far too far is for society because society only goes as far as the individuals allow it. So without individual lines and, and the integrity to hold them, and that's really it because you can, you can identify whatever line you want, but if you don't have the, the constitution within yourself to hold steadfast to your lines, and I understand it is very easy to say, oh, stand strong when it doesn't, it doesn't hit the same because it might not be your job on the line or your family's income or your, your house payment. Um, I'm in a bit of a unique perspective because, yes, I, I talk the talk, but I, I have also walked the walk. I have, so far, th- threaded the needle with my job. I have navigated my the mandates at the thread of my own livelihood. It's, it is very difficult to do. It is, it is very easy to say. But just for context, I, I don't want to seem like a armchair quarterback who's who says, "Oh, you do this," as if it's like easy or or so casual to say. It's not. Um, if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you can kind of walk walk it out with impunity, with without the stress, then by all means, you are in a lucky position. Um, many of us are not. Uh, I myself have had to navigate mandates and, and edicts and balance the, the I ha- have to walk the tightrope of asserting my own line based on my moral and religious foundations. But at the same time, I, I do I obviously don't want to overstep. I don't want to create a hazardous or, malicious workplace or relationship with my employer. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't, I, I don't have a choice. I'm, I am called to, to walk what I believe in. Um, and I have to, everyone doing it has to do it with, with some tact and, and genuine respect. I, I truly don't believe any, most people, I shouldn't say any, um, but most people aren't malicious about the implementation of some of this. Uh, there's a whole lot of, I'm just doing what I'm told. And that, you can kind of see how that circles back around, is is to the moral and ethical lines. 
I, I started conceptualizing this topic. I was actually talking to a bylaw officer, uh, kind of in personal conflict. He, uh, he was tasked with handing out tickets for non-compliance of gatherings and, and masking and, and whatnot. And it, it is one of those situations where I, I, I simply got to the point. I want, I want to hear these people out and I do have compassion for this, this gentleman. But at the end of the day, you have the power to say no, even if it means it's going to be difficult. Uh, now, to give the man credit where he, he deserves it, he said to me that by all, by all effects, he attempts to kind of dissolve the situation and, and do very little to actually enforce it with a, with a strong arm. But, uh, and this person was very much in the middle. He, uh, he didn't agree with the mandates. Uh, however, he did agree with uh, lockdowns and staying home and this, that, and the other. There were several things that I personally took objection to. Uh, and, and he had a bit of rose-colored glasses as to where he thinks we're heading. Um, but it really got me thinking as to where everyone's uh, moral compass lies. I, I had another conversation with somebody in regards to the vaccinations and they were talking to me about my exemption and how they think that when, if or when they mandate third doses, that they'll, that's the hill they'll stand on. And it really got me into a whole conversation of, okay, well, let's play that out though. Let, let's do a little mental exercise and, and kind of play that out. How's that look? Your employer dictates two. Okay, happy to. I got it. Here's my papers. We're all good. Everyone's happy. But how do you, how do you after you've participated that long, how do you take that stand with your employer? Like, how does that look? How are you going to basically say, okay, now is too far? And how are you going to frame that argument? I, I personally... I don't see it happening. I, I, this individual, I basically told them that, let's be honest, you're probably just going to get it. And, and if they do four or five, you won't pick a hill because you've already acquiesced too far. And they kind of sat with it for a minute and, and realized, yeah, it's, it's probably true. Cause how do you fight it at that point? And it, it's a difficult battle. You, you've already given up the, the moral and ethical ground twice, it, it's pretty hard to stand back up and be like, okay, no, I draw a line. Um, and for no real particular reason other than I object, which is, in my eyes, totally fine. Totally reasonable to simply just object. But in in pushback, it's, it's not so easy. Now, looking back at the last two years... Uh, and it's this part is is very easy to be disconnected and, and kind of do as a as an exercise. But uh, looking back, where would you have drawn your personal line throughout what we've already gone through? Uh, for me, it's pretty easy. Two weeks to flatten the curve has has probably been the largest lie we've ever been been fed by our government, at least in my generation. And yeah, looking where we're at now, when the government said certain groups of people 
were deemed not not applicable. They 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 didn't warrant being allowed to work. Um, you look at the service industry, the travel and tourism industry, and I, I understand travel and tourism was always going to be just ravaged by any communicable disease, especially with travel restrictions. That that kind of goes part and parcel with any real health outbreak. But you look at like restaurants, theaters, uh, bars, anything anything to do with customer facing service. And like, look at these people in their, their, their eyes and tell them that they don't deserve a check. Uh, it's only going to be two weeks. Knowing what we know now, that was a very important hill to stand on. Um, and I, I, I have said it before. If it would have just been two weeks to kind of get your bearings, get your capacity up, prepare for the waves that were going to come. And then, okay, we're going to, we're going to brunt this storm the best we can. We took a pause. We got ready. We did what we could. Now we have to kind of make do. And again, if we made do until we couldn't, then we can maybe have a discussion about a reasonable hitting the pause again. Uh, Flatten the curve. The concept was always to slow the spread to, to kind of level out hospital capacity it was never to stop the spread. We came into that concept a month or two in. Um, or perhaps that was always the motive. But, but the concept we as a society were sold was this is simply delaying and spreading out the infection so that they didn't get overwhelmed. The, the goal from the start was, listen, we're all probably going to have to deal with this at some point or another. We just want to make sure it's not all at once. And somewhere along the lines, we turn this into a political pet project where we're going to absolutely fix this. It's it's something we can solve. Uh, and, and you should be genuinely worried when politicians tell you they're going to solve something. But for me, it was it was two weeks to, to flatten the curve, looking back at least. Um, and then you had masking. I, I remember, uh, and this is this is a fun fact of a lot of people that think like me. So the same people today that are pushing back against the government and uh, pushing back against mandates and masking as well, uh, these are the same people that in January of two thousand twenty. Uh, January, February, the, the early bit of this, these are the same people that were going into the stores with the masks and the gloves. Um, I know myself, I went as far to do proper donning and doffing, which is something, that a whole other conversation where, where we're at today with masking. But I actually had a process where I would wear a hoodie and my debit card would be in the pouch. And the only thing my gloves would touch would be my products and my debit card. And I would put my debit card back in my pocket and I would literally go home and shower before unloading the groceries. I never went as far to say, hey, my groceries are going to be, need to be quarantined, whatever. But in the early stages when we didn't know what we were dealing with, and at the time we believed the images coming out of China where people were dropping dead, coughing up blood in the streets. Um... The skeptical people will always take a cautious approach. 
Um, again, I don't trust the government for a variety of reasons, but when they're telling you, you don't need masks, you don't need to worry, this is going to be quick. Uh, a lot of the people that think the way I do instantly were like, okay, well, I don't necessarily believe you and I don't know enough. So I'm going to, I'm going to err on the side of caution. And then somewhere around March for me, uh, we started to get more data. We started to realize more of the scope of what we were dealing with and we dialed it back. You no longer wore gloves to the store. You no longer showered after you went to the store. And then we started to see that, okay, the the stuff that really hyped it up at the beginning, it it kind of turns out to be just nonsense. It it was propaganda Um, and it was effective. Uh, It worked on me, certainly. Uh, but yeah, you look back and, and you just, you, I can't help but think, where were the lines? Um, and and now you've got masking is, we're at a point now with masking where I think we've, we've left a lot of the Karens and Kevins behind. Uh, I shop in most stores without a mask. Um, and for the most part, I, I have no problems. I There's a few stores, I if I'm uncomfortable or I don't know the store... I can admit there's sometimes I'll just throw it on just because it's not worth the hassle or the gamble. And then there's other places I know I can't go because if I try to assert that, it just gets angry. Um, the local Canadian Tire has actually called the police on multiple people for not wearing masks, even when they're being told they're, they have an exemption. Uh, so I simply don't shop at that Canadian Tire at all, given the fact that their franchises. Uh, that that franchise will never see a penny of my money ever again. Just in how lack of compassion they've they've been towards everyone. Uh, they've they've truly been pretty vicious. And there's there's a few businesses that will never see another penny of of my money. Um, and again, I I don't care what side you land on things. But if if you're so aggressive about it that your the, your utter lack of humanity is just so evident that that's a no go for me. You're done. I will never deal with you again. Um, and I've even got family members that have come really close to crossing that line. I, I I will hold space and room for so many different perspectives, but once you cross a certain line for me, there is no there's very little you can do to redeem that. Uh, I can I can forgive you, but to restore a relationship that has crossed a line like that for me, it's it's next to impossible. Um, and that that comes from a lot of my childhood history. I have a, a very problematic way of disconnecting with people. Um, but it for me, my lines are very firm. Uh, and anyone that really knows me knows that these are the lines I operate in. Don't step out of them, otherwise it, it's not easy for me to deal with in a way that can keep things intact. Um, but we can look back at where we were and, and hypothesize, like if we only just stood up here, if we only picked a battle here, but like, let's take that and apply that going forward. Let's look at Australia where you've got police shooting protesters. Protesters, protests themselves are illegal in Australia right now. The entire thing it's not, no protests in hospitals, no protests here. It's just full stop, illegal. They're arresting people, and they're even going, now you've got reports and videos of police going door to door, 
and accosting people who posted things that were counter to the lockdowns six months in the past um, on Facebook. You've got, you've got literal police coming to people's doors in the middle of the night to question people on critical statements against the government. Um, and it, you would be so naive to not look at that and realize it could happen here. I'm not saying it will, but it could. And I think it's a duty everyone should have. And again, I go back to my conversation, and I think anyone in law enforcement, even outside of what's going on today, I think that's a question pretty much every enforcement officer or police officer should have to at least ponder themselves and and really struggle with where is your line? Where is your line that if you get told to do this, that's too far, no, I won't. I will, I will die on this hill because that is so against where I stand that I can't. Um, take it to the extremes. Look at, look at Germany and, and the SS and Gestapo and how they were rounding people up. Would you do that if you were told to? No, you wouldn't. Anyone would absolutely, no, I wouldn't. But the thing is, it's, it didn't just start with that. It started with a lot of little things that people may have been uncomfortable with, but, but I can't, I, I need to feed my family. I can't, I can't rock the boat. But that Overton window keeps shifting until you find yourself capable of things you would never dream of. Horrific things in, in that instance. Um, and it's just... It's so intellectually dishonest to not think that, one, it could happen to you, um, but two, like, the power in addressing that before it's here, or crossing that bridge mentally before you're presented with it, can really put you in a place of power over your own being, in the sense that, like, for us, uh, we won't go to a place that participates in vaccine passports. Um, again, we look at our authoritarian and totalitarian breakdowns and, and we are participating in the stand-up of secondary economies. Uh, I have a place I can go sit down and have a beer that is outside of the current situations. It's, 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 I effectively have a speakeasy I can go to. Um, I have the same thing for restaurants uh, and it's not as rare as people would think. Um, but for me, that that's a line that it, it just crosses so many moral and ethical lines that there's, there's no dancing with it. I will not flirt with that line. I will not bump up against it. That is a hard no. Um, and for the people in my life, if it, if conversation comes up and it has a few times and I, I, I apologize to the people it's come up to with, um, but I have no room for people that don't see the problem in that. Uh, I say that in the sense that I, I will happily have a conversation about how terrible it is, um, but I, I hold no space for people that think, oh, it's okay, or it's just for a little, like, it's, um, but, but we have to. But the government, no, there is no room. Zero. 
There's the I, much like you don't negotiate with terrorists. I don't. I don't deal with people that are willing to cross that moral line. Uh, and I, I do have to watch my uh, my emotions around it sometimes. I've found myself simply. I see a picture. Oh, this person uh, took their young child to hockey. I'm part of it comes from a jealousy because I would like to be able to do that. I'd like to be able to go into an arena, but I can't because I because of my moral, ethical, and religious beliefs. I am not allowed in an arena. Uh, it's pretty sad, but but a convicted pedophile is uh, me as somebody who has moral and religious objections to what's going on. I'm not. Um, so some of it comes from jealousy, but I see pictures of people posting in these situations or, or going out for dinner. And I think to myself, I'm like, man, like, how can you, how can you show your papers? How can you, how can you go along with a society like that? And I get it. It's easy. You want to do what you want to do. And you've already done your, your quote unquote part. You got your vaccine. You made your choice and that's fine. I support your choices to do that. Um, but I, even being on the inside of that quote unquote group, I don't understand how people can go along with it. It's, it's truly wild to me. And, uh, I, it, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to see people you kind of thought had more integrity, uh, going along with it. But at the same time, I, I don't want to judge people too harshly because at the end of the day, we, we need, we need to find common ground. Uh, but I do find myself really wondering if you if you saw things the way I see them, and and understood how dangerous what's happening right now is, just socially, if you would would still do it. So, after a a long winded rant on the topic, I I do want to circle back and and really encourage anyone listening to this whether it's COVID-related, government-related, or even in your marriage, your, your children, anything, anything to do with anything, you should really think about where your lines are, where your conscious lies, and where your morality is. And, and really lay out the scenarios and identify your hard and soft boundaries and what you're willing to accept and acquiesce to before you get there. Because doing it ahead of time, preemptively, allows you the convenience of time. You, you don't have to make a decision on the fly. And you don't have to kind of just, oh crap, I've got to, I've got to make a choice now. And it gives you power to kind of stand on, on your genuine convictions when it comes time. Uh, and I think, I think that's really a measure of a, of a person. It's, you can talk the talk all you want. Like everyone, everyone looks at like a movie like Schindler's List and pretty much everyone assumes, oh yeah, I, I would be an Oscar Schindler. I would help as many people as I could. But the truth is far more people would have been the complacent, German citizens uh, being terrorized over by Nazis, but nonetheless, they would have been 
German citizens uh, going along with the Nazi reign. Uh, some certainly would be supporting it. Uh, a good number of the majority would have supported it statistically. Um, and I certainly don't. I certainly don't think that every German citizen or even every Nazi was such out of hate, hatred and disdain. There certainly was a bunch of people that, that kind of went along to go along. Uh, they kept their head down and it became, it was somebody else's problem. Uh, they weren't the ones being persecuted. And I mean, after all, I, I'm just looking out from me and my family. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's all in how you walk the walk. When, when the rubber meets the road, what do you do? And I, I, everyone will do what they, their reaction dictates, but you can control it better and, and have a better grasp on the handlebars. If, if you cross that bridge mentally before you get forced into it, literally, uh, and, and that's food for thought going forward. Um, especially when we talk about like children's mandates, uh, and just how far things are going to go. Um, I know my battle lines. I've, I've, I have already started my battles. Uh, for now I'm holding my lines and, uh, it's been fairly effective. I hope we can maintain that, but, uh, nonetheless, my line has been drawn and identified to people. I, I really would rather have not had to identify where I stand on things with people like my employer, but this is my convictions. And, uh, we have to walk the walk. Uh, but it is it is food for thought. People really should consider what is too far. And I'm sure if you look back in, over the last two years, you've probably seen lines that you would rather have not crossed um, and, or been quiet when you really wished you, you hadn't. And in, in the spirit of, of that and, and looking back at Germany as well. I, I want to pivot to the concept of hubris. And uh, it's it's quite a beast of a concept. Um, I've kind of felt this way for, for a good while. And and perhaps it comes from my critical perspective on, on pretty much everything. But I look at history. And then I look at how today views history in comparison to how they view today. And I don't mean today as like some reference to the pandemic again. It really applies clean and clear to, to all of any todays. Uh, this is today of 2001, today of 2007, today of tomorrow. Um, but people view history um, of any time period with some superiority complex, uh, some, maybe it's a survivor's bias for lack of a better word, but, uh, people really view history as a spectator. And I mean that in the sense that when you look at history, people don't consider it that it was, it was people like them living in these times, uh, there's a disconnect that happens and they, they assume it was almost a lesser human, a, a lesser intelligent or a lesser evolved person. 
when really like you go back even to like 1940s, 1950s and it's it's like these people some of these people are still alive. Um life was not that different. Culture was certainly much different, but but the average human, the intellect and and just the, the overall mental acuity, people were not that different. Uh you looking at like Nazi Germany Life really, like, we've come a long way technologically um, and as an interconnected multi-society, but the, like, the average social structure, like, it's not that different. And people seem to, to treat these moments like they are from a whole different world. Um, and in some cases, we're talking 70, 80 years ago. Um, even if you go back further, you go back... A hundred years, two hundred years, the human being was not that different. Uh, we have not evolved in any magnitude of a way, mentally or physically, in that time. Uh, we've ha- we've made major developments that have created a better quality of life, um, and we've we've created opportunities that our previous generations would never have dreamt of. You've got a device in your pocket that will take pictures. It will query anything you want on the internet, which again, for going back too long ago, and that, that would be a, an absolute foreign word, but you've got a device in your pocket that would do more things than many people would ever dream of back then. But from a moral and ethical and emotional capacity, Human beings were really no different. Uh, if anything, we've kind of dulled our our senses in in those areas. Um, perhaps the people of the mid eighteen hundreds were certain. Actually, I, I, they were definitely more moral, ethical, and compassionate. Um, you certainly saw a little different amount of violence as well. But again, a product of the times. But people were really not that different. So we look at the, the Nazi Germany comparison and I look at it and, and the only thing I can think of is is hubris. Um, the vanity in thinking you're better than them. The, the, the arrogance and the presumption uh, of things that just aren't true. Um it, it, this is one of those scenarios where, where Nazi Germany is a really good tool to use as a, a description or a example in this case because, well, first of all, nobody would dare admit that they would probably have been a complacent German Nazi, um, if not an active participant. Uh, surely the, the rallies drew tens of thousands of people. Uh, Hitler was a popular person of the time and in the area, be it through fear uh, or otherwise. Um, but the fact is, a very large majority of that country supported him for some time. And I don't mean to disparage any historical family, perhaps, um, of the time, I, I, I'm a Dutchman, uh, so I certainly have a historical problem with uh, the historical German 
Nazis. So I, but I don't want anyone to think that if you had German heritage, that there's a stain on your family forever. Uh, it's it was one of those things where people kind of got swept into the the madness about it in a populist way. And again, you can see where populism can be dangerous in that sense. But it was a whole lot more just go along to get along. But uh, and Jordan Peterson really really touches on the fact uh, he drives at home. It's it's certainly a topic he's pretty passionate about, in the sense that yeah, the average person was far more likely to be a Nazi than to be a Schindler, um, to be to be a hero, to be an to help save Anne Frank. Um, and and that is that is a pure and unadulterated example of, of hubris. Um, but I, I, also, I expand on that, and I look at how we live today uh, in this ultra, ultra-woke culture where you start Zoom meetings with land acknowledgements, uh, and you hold space for perceived wrongs or, you know what, actual wrongs of hundreds of years ago. Um, and you, you live in a, in a very hypersensitive society to all of the wrongs of yesterday. And, and you do it from a perspective that you were above that now. We are better than that now. We would never make those mistakes now. We're just too aware um, but the, the funny thing is the same people doing this are the same people that without saying it, they seem to think history will view them better. Um, history is a savage woman. It is a woman's scorn that will never let it go. And there's, I mean, there's certain utility to that. I don't, I don't mean to sound derogatory in that. But, but history's a bitch. It, uh, it doesn't hold any punches. It doesn't bite its tongue. And, and it takes no prisoners. Um, and, and so it should. There are hard truths people need to know. And you can't really sugarcoat it too much. Because uh, if you do, you, you kind of lose the lesson. But you look at and stuff that we haven't even started to grapple with in today's woke culture. Uh, we're currently in Canada dealing with uh, the the native issues, and don't get me wrong, there was there's problems there. Uh, but I am a lot less concerned with the problems of two, three, four generations ago than I am with the ones that are happening now. Yes, we can take time and make room to acknowledge the hurt and suffering that has been impacted in the past, uh, but we can't make that a focal point, uh, at least not while we're still impacting minority communities in horrific ways. Um, the native communities, for example, still don't have clean drinking water, um, and there's many factors to that, but it, it's... Get them water. The people you're you're here giving a holiday for genuine loss that happened in the past, 
And I mean, that's cloaked in different perspectives and, and that's a whole discussion in itself, whether it was malicious or, or just a tragic fact that child mortality was horrible or, or where the truth usually lies is somewhere in the middle, probably an amalgamation of both. And we can make room for that loss and that mourning, but don't do it at the exclusion of the problems of today. Uh, hubris is just so blinding in the sense that we're, we're focusing on things that we as a society in power right now didn't do and can't change. We can't change the, the loss of life in the past. Again, there's power in making space for it and, and mourning. But showing your support and mourning really doesn't mean anything if the same communities that suffer that loss can't bathe their children because the water is so contaminated. Um, the money we, we as taxpayers waste is, is almost unconscionable. But I, I, I'm hard pressed to say you could get a freshwater truck at every reserve or every institution that a community center for any native group across Canada, you could have a truck of water there within two days nationally. We could mobilize that. You could call the military, get trucks in. If, if, if your feelings are, are anything, put it into action. Um, and, and we look at what's going on today. We look at things of the past when it comes to discrimination and segregation. Uh, we try and reckon and, and reconcile the wrongs of slavery and segregation while we're actively imposing segregation on communities today. And don't get me wrong, it is not a racial thing today. It's a, it's a vaccination thing today. But don't kid yourself in the sense that these communities of, of minorities, uh, the black population, for example, is far more hesitant to take a vaccine mandate because of historical wrongs that, that have been done to them. This is a community that has not once, not twice, but countless times been experimented on maliciously. You look at things like the Tuskegee experiment, and without their knowledge, the, these communities have been effectively lab rats. So you're, you're now segregating them again, but calling it a different name, and you're also including other ethnicities. So, okay, you've, you've created segregation without racial now, but it's still segregation. Uh, and, and I look at hubris and I, and I, I try and look into the future and think how the next generation is going to look back at this history. Do you think they're going to have gentle glasses to see us in? Certainly not. Uh, history is going to look back at this time very unfavorably. And as somebody who's now lived it, uh, we all have earned that stain in, in our history. Um, and <laughs> it's just crazy to think that we would be viewed differently. We would be viewed less critically, or maybe we would score extra points, extra virtue 
if only we could count the fact that we were hypersensitive and woke to the other problems. Look at all the good we did here. When, again, it comes down to walking the walk and talking the talk. We can talk about fairness and and morals and ethics when we're looking at the past, but if we're not doing it looking at, at the future and the present, it means nothing. Uh, again, you can contribute this to a society that's just built around hollow and empty everything uh, a byproduct of social media where it's it's all about presentation and none about actual content uh it's it's not the content of your character it's just how you look on a 60 second clip uh and hopefully we can move past it but if if maybe you've fallen victim to that maybe you also think that history will view us better and and the fact is it won't it really won't uh i it's it's funny as again i don't like to grandize myself i'm certainly not better than most uh i am a little more self-aware than the average person and it's founded again by my morals ethics and religion but I'm not so naive to think that I'm someone, I'm, I'm not better than people. I just see what's happening and I can call it for what it is. And hopefully in doing that, more people can see it. More people can own it and call it for what it is when they see it. And, and don't be naive. Don't think that we're going to be viewed well or, or that we've done it better this time. Uh, it's a perfect analog to communism. Uh, communism has never worked uh, long term. And you go back to hubris, the, the human hubris, again, not looking at history or thinking that we're better than them. Communism can work. We, it just never was done right. We could do it right this time. Uh, and I think socially that that's probably one of the one of society's biggest Achilles heels is is hubris because people don't see it and it's so hard to move past people's self-vanity. Uh, it, it's, it's a wild world we're living in and I can't wait to be that grandfather sitting on the porch reminiscing of, of these dark times and and honestly being judged by my grandkids in how wrong we were. Uh, and just to see where the Overton window gets by then and where where society kind of draws their moral lines when they restructure. Uh, as, as with every generation, we kind of reframe our, our rules, our society. And with that, I, I hope I've sparked some internal thought process i hope taking away from today's podcast that it gives you some food for thought some some situations you may not put yourself in that maybe now you can and offer yourself a, a different context or perspective on on how really things work historically and socially and and try to set yourself up so you kind of 
land on the right side more than the wrong. And I, I say that in the sense that it's it's really a, a roll of the dice, more or less. We're working on averages here. Um, so if you land on the right side of a, a individual situation more times than the wrong, then, then you're moving in the right direction. Um, so nobody's perfect and nobody is virtuous. Um, it's all a averages to me. Uh, so again, if, if you find yourself in a situation, if you're landing good more than you're landing bad, you're moving forward in, in, in good faith. Um, so think of that, take, take that in and, and let me know where you get with that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or, or my email is in the show notes. Uh, I, I'd love to hear your perspective on where your lines are and uh, where you think we're going to be viewed historically uh, looking back at us 50, 60 years from now. But that will be it for today. Uh, as with last week, pay the piper. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, all we ask is that you share it. Uh, send it to somebody else who may like it and uh, get some value from it. If you feel like this week we, we let you down, feel free to give us some constructive criticism. But by no means, you, you do not have to pay that bill if we didn't, if we didn't fill you in, in a sense. So uh, with that, I will leave you all. I hope you have a great week. And uh, I really hope the pressure keeps up and uh, we have some more good news to talk about next week. Till then, take care, everyone.